Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sidious Mag Podcast. I'm Chris Chavez, and this is my show where I chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks, and across the running industry. Our guests sit down and open up in-depth to share their experiences, brilliant insights, and vivid snapshots from their professional and personal accomplishments within the sport. The presenting sponsor of the Sidious Mag Podcast is Olipop. We've been pounding Olipop for months now, and our gut health has never been better. We all know the trepidation that runners have had for years about drinking soda. Olipop calls itself a new kind of soda. It's a delicious and healthy alternative whether you're a runner, a fitness enthusiast, or just someone who wants to make better choices. Olipop is the perfect drink for you. Olipop is a low-sugar, low-calorie beverage that is packed with prebiotics, botanicals, and plant fibers that nourish your microbiome and supports digestive health. It comes in a variety of tasty flavors like vintage cola, strawberry vanilla, lemon lime, banana cream. My favorite flavor is Tropical Punch. Sidious Mag podcast listeners get 25% off non-subscription orders while using code Sidious25 at checkout on drinkolipop.com. You can also find Olipop at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Target, Walmart, Publix, and other retailers. So the next time that you're looking for a refreshing and healthy drink after that long run or hard workout, reach for an Olipop. You won't be disappointed. Drinkolipop.com, code Sidious25. U.S. Outdoor Mile record holder Yard and Goose will return to the Armory Track and Field Center in New York City for the 116th Milrose Games as he looks to defend his men's Wanamaker title on February 11th. The Wanamaker Mile has been contested at the Milrose Games since 1926. Last year, Nagoose made his Milrose Games debut. He won and set a U.S. Indoor Mile record of 347.38, just barely missing the world record of 347.01 set by Yomif Kajelcha in 2019. Nagoose put together a career year in 2023 with a 728 for 3K indoors, which is the American record, a personal best of 329.02 for 1500 meters, which is the fastest performance by an American-born runner, a 343 outdoor mile, an American record, and the fourth fastest performance in history, a victory at the London Diamond League, a fifth place finish in the 1500 meter final at the World Championships, and most recently he ran 356.58 at the Merry Mile in Honolulu to come just 0.45 seconds shy of breaking the road mile world record. Nagus was the first American to win the Wanamaker Mile since Eric Jenkins' 2017 victory. He will look to become the first man to win back-to-back Wanamaker Mile titles since Matt Centrowitz's 2016 and 2015 victories. The Milrose Games is the sixth stop on the 2024 World Athletics World Indoor Tour. Live stream and television broadcast details will be announced in the coming weeks. Stay tuned for more Milrose Games athlete announcements on Sidious Mag as the pro fields come together. Tickets to the Milrose Games can be purchased at milrosegames.org. Let's get into our interview with Yard Nagoose. All right, and now we welcome on American record holder Yard Nagoose, world championship finalist. 
I almost wanted to introduce you as world record holder from this past weekend, but so close. You were just shy of breaking the uh, road mile world record, which is 356 by Hobbs Kessler. And you ran 356, but if it wasn't for that 180 hairpin turn, I think you would have got it. So how are you feeling a couple days removed from uh, your Merry Mile in Hawaii? It looked like an awesome trip. No, it was just like an amazing trip. I feel like a lot of the guys and, you know, myself included, kind of went out there just to see Hawaii, enjoy Hawaii. And like, you know, that's like a really fun and interesting kind of race uh, while we were out there. Um, and the Marie Mile was just like very interesting. Like I had, I love the format of like, you know, like chasing the girls throughout like the entire race. Cause you know, like I started that race and I was just like, they're like really far ahead like <laughs> and you know it was it was kind of funny because i feel like the first half of that race i was like okay i know i can like lead this and like kind of be on pace but like you have like no idea what you're running like just because there's no clocks or anything to get to like the very end so it was just kind of like well i usually have a good idea of the pace i'm going but like on the road like in flats it's just like feels like completely different so i just like i, I wasn't scared of going too hard or anything but i was kind of just like this feels fast enough for the record, but like, I just had no idea. Um, but still a really, really great race, like record. There was, what was it like a $10,000 bonus? Like you're not yeah. wanting to like get too caught up or like, I, I watched the post-race interview that David Monty posted afterwards and you were still all smiles and happy about it. But does missing out on that bonus sting a little bit just knowing the money that that you missed out on by like less than a second <laughs> I mean, like maybe a little but i feel like you know i performed like well enough throughout this whole year to where it's just like yes like of course you know the extra money would be nice but you know I've never really been like necessarily running for the money anyway so like it's a nice perk that i get but if I don't get it, it's not like oh, this race is ruined for me. I just <laughs> like, it's all about this, like the actual act of racing. So I, I really, you know, it sucks, but not that much. <laughs> what do we consider this? Is it a season ender or is this like a 2024 like kickoff? Like Dathan had even like put that up on his Instagram story where it was just sort of like, are we ending the season or like kicking off the new one? How did you think of this past weekend? When I came to it, I was like, oh, this kind of feels like a beginning of the season thing. But just like kind of with how I felt during the race, it felt very more like end of the season still. Like just to have like a concise year of a season versus like, you know, just starting in the fall at some point or winter, I guess, kind of at this point. Uh, I feel like, though, you know, definitely felt more like just like wrapping things up. I already had a great year and this is kind of just like a fun little thing before I go into like, you know, the real indoor and just hammering it out again, uh, coming in a month basically. All right. So let's drop some news on people. Last year you made your Milrose games debut and won the Wanamaker mile one for one. That's an amazing luck. Gave the world record a scare. And now this time around, you're coming back to defend your title. What drew you back to Milrose Games to come back and, and try and go two for two? Yeah, I mean, Milrose was definitely probably the highlight of my indoor season. I only had like three races last year. But like that race just definitely felt like the most hype race I had been to of all those three indoor races. Um, 
just the general like excitement around it and just like being there with like hearing the crowd is like going nuts those last couple laughs was just like kind of something I hadn't felt indoors in like a little bit um and also just you know I think I kind of like never really did Melrose before because I always like has like a bad feeling about it I don't know why I was like it's just like <laughs> something bad will happen if I go to Melrose like I'm gonna fall or like this is something but instead that happens at ACC's for you <laughs> Yeah, it's easy that happens instead. But um, still, I was kind of just like, yeah, I don't know if I'm really ready for like Melrose. Yeah, like I'll, I'll get there when I get there. And, um, you know, I finally did and came out with the big bang. So now I guess I just got to gotta keep that up. But definitely is one of the, I mean, I only ran like two miles this whole year. But like, <laughs> definitely was like, you know, up there for the excitement factor, especially just indoors in like the middle of February. So people will try and connect the dots here where you weren't that far off of Yomif Kajelch's indoor mile world record, which is 347.01. You ran 347.38. Outdoors, you ran 343. So how do you go about thinking of that potential sort of world record carrot that's dangling in front of you again? Yeah, it definitely felt like really real for me especially just like right after the race i was just like yeah i ran that like really really hard but like only three seconds like you know almost nothing um so it definitely feels like you know a goal that i can definitely within my grasp of achieving um i feel like you know not only am i just a lot stronger and smarter than i was last year but you know i've just felt like i've come a long way and will be able to attack this race with like a lot more confidence for like chasing that goal of the world record versus like when I went for the first time, I was just chasing the American record. Uh, so I feel like changing that mindset, just like seeing how far I've come, it definitely feels like a very uh, real possibility at this point. Does that blow your mind a little bit of just like the talk about world records being within your grasp? Like, you know, we flash back, we see all these photos of you from high school. Like would that kid be kind of mind blown at the fact that like, oh yeah, like not too distant into the future you're talking world records <laughs> yeah i'm sure i'd be um pretty shocked to know i've come this far i mean like even when i got like collegiate records back in college i was like wow that's crazy like i just ran the fastest anyone's ever run in college like that's nuts and then i was just like knocking down american records this is the last year and now it's just like i'm just going for world records like it's just they're just such crazy jumps to me like in my head and they've all happened in the course of like what two three years <laughs> even though i wouldn't have expected that like just based on the trajectory i am now i feel like i'm at a point where it's just like you know i feel like i'm capable of doing like anything that i truly set my mind to and that i really want to do i just have kept like high my goals up higher and higher and now here we are just talking about world records like they aren't i've been standing for several years and aren't like super super hard to do uh but it's still just you know such an exciting time just in track and field in general and just to be able to like really be there at like what feels like it kind of feels like a peak at least in like distance running or like the 1500 i feel like it's very like very competitive right now and i'm very appreciative of that versus like you know being the best when like it's not that good just doesn't i don't know if it would feel as great you know <laughs> when it comes to executing like the perfect mile race like you have you know of the two mile races two really good examples to look at here with that 347 at milrose and then that 343 at the pre-classic so now when 
you try and approach this race and 347 low might be the goal once again or getting under that mark it's going to take you know having a really good pacemaker potentially eric sawinski like he's the most reliable guy for the job uh but i guess like other than that what is it that you need to like fine tune or or get right each time out because a year ago you probably would have said like that race was executed perfectly and so was the pre-classic so is it just you know what have you learned from those that you're hoping can just be a little bit faster this time around i think a big part of it was for those two races specifically was just kind of like not having to deal with like too many other people i feel like in my you know at free it was just like me and Jakob like the entire time i made a point to just like get out hard and like stay out where i wanted to be um and like Milrose was pretty similar, which is like me, Mario, and Ollie. And like it was just mostly most of the race anyway. It was kind of just like us three just like locked into each other and kind of like just getting things going. Um and so I feel like as long as I have I can't imagine there being like a ton of people trying to go run 347, but if they are all the power to them. And I feel like I should really still try to like kind of be ahead of that mess. Cause I feel like I can run my best when I'm just really focused on just like running and kind of gonna be more like a time trial a little bit versus like the actual just like you know the racing stuff that we do during championship season and i think like a big part of it is going to be just like being able to just like keep riding it when i'm just like out front which i probably will be once the pacer drops off and so you know just like making sure i'm able to like not lose focus during those like you know middle two laps before i get to the last lap and start cranking i think is just like a really important part of any race and is a little easier when i'm like behind someone like Yaku. Versus like me just kind of like going out there by myself and just like continuing to hammer it on my own. Um, so it's going to be a challenge, but I think it's, it's definitely what I'm capable of seeing as how I, you know, I didn't lead like a ton last year at Milrose, but still I was able to kind of like get up like 400, 500 to go or something. So I feel like if I can just, you know, carry that energy, like as soon as the pacer drops off and like continue to push maybe a little more than I think I need to. I think that'll be really helpful to just kind of like get to where I want to be with the lap to go. I remember just how vicious that move was at this year's Wanamaker mile. What internally happens when Yard Nagoose hears the sound of that bell saying that it's the final lap because it it was just so vicious. Like you dropped the hammer on some of the best milers in the world. So internally, what what is happening at that point? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, honestly, I feel like there's a little bit of, like, racing amnesia, like, right when you get to, like, 200 to go. So I feel like I've, I've noticed, I look back at some races and, like, my, like, expression changes, the way I run changes, like, everything just kind of, like, locks into place. And it's, like, it looks like I'm angry. I'm not, like, that angry, but I'm definitely feeling, like, you know, this is what running's all about, that, like, competitive, like, you know, visceral urge to just, like, keep it going and go as fast as you can. It's just something that just really kicks in once I hear that, that bell. Um, and, you know, at that point, it's just like, I don't know what I'm thinking about or if I'm thinking about anything at all. It's just like clearly just running, but you know, I feel like the last lap or last 200 at least has always just like figured itself out for me. Like no matter what, <laughs> I've, no, I've always had a strong kick, but you know, at Milrose, especially it was just like, like I go back and watch that. And it's just like amazing how like quick that reaction is versus like, you know, more of the slow builds I felt like I did a lot of during outdoor. Uh, 
So like, I don't really know which one's better. I think it was more exciting, obviously, to just like pop off and just like, you know, get things going a lot faster. Uh, but, you know, hopefully I still have enough energy like that at the end, try to run a 340, well, basically it's running a 346, but <laughs> I guess we'll see. So Milrose overlaps, I think the same weekend as Levin, which seems to be Jakob's favorite meet, you know, during the indoor season. We've seen a lot, I guess, within the last couple of weeks and even dating back to the summer of just Josh and Jakob trading, you know, comments on podcasts or videos or whatever it might be going back and forth. And I love how you just stay out of it. Like you you keep to yourself, you stay quiet. But there's a little part of you wish that like he someone like him was in the race, you know, so that we could get sort of it's not just you alone once the pacer drops off we have a little bit more of that mono mono battle that we saw at pre-classic i think it it definitely would make for like a more interesting race and i feel like you know it'd be really interesting to kind of just battle either like josh or Jakob at this point just to like kind of see where we're at um in february but at the same time i feel like i think i would feel a little better about like just going out and like doing it myself people just being like oh like so-and-so like carried you to a race like i'm just like yeah but like a lot of it also felt like me so i think if i go out and like run the mile like that i think it like doesn't really give me credit that i feel like i need i feel like i have all the <laughs> credit i need to myself but um you know it definitely feels a little more like oh yeah like i did this i did that like completely by myself and just like really went out there and hammered it um but of course, I'm always excited to race those guys, and I'm sure I will at some point in the season or another. So, you know, definitely makes for a more exciting race. But yeah, I think it's just a little, a little better for me if it's just like kind of me like hammering it out. All right. So we're chatting in mid December. Last year, this time, you were into your first fall slash winter part of training with the OAC. Now with a full year under kind of Dathan's guidance, like, are you feeling stronger than you have at the, than you were like a year ago at this time? Like, how how's the body feeling? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I feel like a lot of it was just like me adjusting to altitude, me adjusting to more training and like harder of it. Um, and like, I did like a great job of like managing it where I could without like you know going like too hard and like burying myself. Uh, but now I feel like I kind of do these things that like I just really struggled with last year, like a really long fart lick or like a long run where I might not get dropped like as much as I did last year. <laughs> and so it's just kind of like I definitely feel a lot stronger than I had last fall. And just like being able to kind of like come into this with just more expectations of like how it goes and like just like having a lot more strength than I did last year. Um, it's just got me like really excited to, you know, really like get back into racing shape and just like kind of hammer it out and see what I can do. I feel like a lot of running in general is very like mental. <laughs> so like being able to just like go in and do these workouts that like I struggled with so much last year and I still killed it last year. And to be able to just like perform well in those workouts makes me think like, Oh, I can like probably still like get better at racing. Cause I feel like I always have in the past, like gotten like a little better every year. So I would hope that still continues. I had a pretty hard year to top last year, but I think as long as I like stay with the training and just really keep up, keep it up, uh, I think I should be able to 
replicate or hopefully improve a little bit. You famously are super chill. You know, it could be on the starting line of a world championships or it could be, you know, a road mile in Hawaii where there, the stakes aren't all that high. It seems like you're so even keeled throughout. When people flip the calendar in a couple of weeks and then it's 2024, all of a sudden there's just sort of like this heightened pressure of it's the Olympic year and there's a team on the line. You have the blueprint of a fantastic season in 2023. You also have the experience of what it takes to qualify and make an Olympic team based off what you did in 2021. How do you go about thinking of this upcoming Olympic year? Because, you know, for the people who may have forgotten at this point because of all your success, like you got to the Olympics and then just didn't get the chance to run because you got hurt. And so is a tiny degree of it also sort of redemption to get back and and have that opportunity to race? A hundred percent. I feel like, you know, when I wasn't able to race at the Olympics, I was obviously like pretty bummed out. was going to let me let it like completely destroy me, but I was still just like, man, like I really wish I could have like, just at least like fought it out a little bit more. Um, and so to kind of like come back into this year with just like an amazing year prior in my back pocket just makes it really feel like, you know, I can really do something special this year and just like come out and just like not get injured, fingers crossed, <laughs> and just like really show what I'm capable of on like that stage. Cause I feel like, you know, the world stage is obviously its own like amazing and really stressful thing. But the Olympics is definitely like a step above that. And I feel like everyone, everyone feels it. Everyone knows it. Like people I know who like maybe like aren't super into running or like kind of getting back into it just for the Olympic year and just like you know, see if they can make the trials or something. And it's just like so exciting because I feel like the buzz around running just gets like so much more exciting around the Olympics and like everyone like just cares a little more. Um, and so I'm, I'm just really, really excited to kind of just go back and, you know, now that I kind of like have some experience, know what to expect and what I'm doing to really just like, well, first make it on the team and then do what I can at the Olympics. Like it's, it's weird. It feels like it's like, you know, like you said, I'm like pretty chill. So like part of me is like, yeah, you know, it's just like kind of worlds like all over again. Part of me is like, oh no, like this is like, this is it. Like this is everything kind of <laughs> like you're only going to get like basically one more of these if things go as planned. So like, you know, you really got to show out now and just like do everything you can. Yeah. I think the other thing too, is sort of like, I'm sure you get some of it, but it might come through, you know, your agent Ray Flynn where like, Oh, we need Yared to do like this photo shoot or we want, you know, a one-year deal. Cause it is the Olympics for him to do this stuff. And it's like, there's so much more extra things that pop up here and there. And it's like four years ago, you didn't have that. And so, yeah, make it's, it's, it's fascinating. Um, but you know, I trust that you're going to keep it even keeled and chill through the trials, which like you can't even rest on your laurels that like, Oh, I had a fantastic 2023. You still have to get through three rounds at the U S trials. Like there's no buy for you to get all the way to the final or anything like that. That's the toughest part about being an American miler. <laughs> no yeah honestly like that that setup when i first was at the olympic trials in 2021 was like, like absolutely crazy to me i was like three there's three <laughs> how am i gonna run three of those and now it's kind of like i kind of know like the first round isn't like that crazy and it's just kind of like 
basically two rounds after that. So it'll be very interesting because I feel like everyone like really showed out. Like no one, well, I don't know if no one expected Cole to like do that well, but like, you know, to have Cole come out and like win that, it's just like, you got to be ready for like anyone to kind of just like really show up on the day and just like not lose sight and like try to, you know, focus on one thing at a time. Like can't really get too big on the Olympics before you get through the trials. So um, I'm really excited just to go back to Eugene and, you know, see what I can do the trials and just see what everyone else does too, because I know it's going to be just so exciting. <laughs> does that race feel like yesterday or does it feel like so much longer ago? The 2021 race? Forever ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I feel like I've grown just so much since then and it's only been like, or it will only be like three years. This is a really, really scared college kid. <laughs> it's just kind of like, man, like, wouldn't it be crazy if I went to the Olympics? And I like, I did. And I was like, oh God, like what's happening? Like, like I definitely think that was not, like, not one of my more even chill moments. Uh, but I think I've improved on that. So, you know, hopefully that, that helps me. <laughs> all right, Yari, to close it out, I've got a couple fun questions for you. Taylor Swift named Time Magazine Person of the Year. Everyone knows you're a huge Taylor Swift fan. What she revealed in the interview with Time was that she does the era's set list on the treadmill to get ready for shows. And there's like a mix of, I guess she goes fast for the fast-paced song, slow for the slow-paced songs, which like at the end of it ends up being like, three hours three and a half hours or whatever it might be so taylor said might be a good marathoner but what do you think i guess she could run in a 5k if that's a training and overall just like what do you think of like the era's fart lick like we see you on the treadmill you know at the oac gym a lot is this something you would try at some point if dathan allowed for what i think she could run a 5k i i'm very interested would be interested to know like what's like fast for her versus slow for her like that makes like a big difference but like honestly like just standing up for three hours and like running for that long is like obviously a very long time to be running something i've literally never done so like <laughs> like that's impressive all the power to her um yeah i probably would not want to do it there this this full era's <laughs> fart like i think that would that would be a little much for me seeing as how like i'm not even remotely interested in running a marathon i think <laughs> running for like like, I mean, like, two hours is, like, probably the limit of running I want to get to ever for, like, a super long run that we're doing or something like that. I find it a little hard to believe. I'm a little skeptical of being a, a runner myself. But also, like, to be up there on stage for, like, three and a half hours it also takes a lot out of someone. So you got to prepare for it somehow. <laughs> is there one Taylor Swift song that just gets your heart rate up immediately? Like, for me, it's uh, if I'm on a run and Bad Blood comes on, like, that's the one that just like a heartbeat goes up yeah no, that's a really good one uh there's a few for me but i really i really get pumped up from a lot of like um more reputation era ones so like one of my favorites from that album is like don't blame me i like that a lot and it like kind of starts out slow but like really kind of like gets like really hyped up at the end and like kind of that part like really gets me going a little bit um or just any of the more popular ones honestly they're all like upbeat and just like man want to get me going but i don't really listen to music while i run so yeah <laughs> all right final question give us a tyro update you posted the video of putting him away for the winter how's he doing 
or your pet tortoise for the people who are wondering. Yes, yes. I mean, he's like, let's see if I can, like right there in the fridge, yeah, right behind me. <laughs> um, he's he's been just chilling out. He's had a healthy looking hibernation so far. Obviously, he's not going to be doing much unless he's like Harry the platypus and sneaking out of that fridge or something. But as far as I know, he's just chilling there, looks healthy. Um, and, you know, I'm already starting to miss him just like a little bit, but I'm sure it'll get worse as the winter goes on. <laughs> when does he come back out? He'll come back out in like April or something, maybe like late March. It's just like, like I feel like this is where like I feel like I need Tyro the most because I'm just like, it's gloomy and cold and I'm just like sad because it's cold and I want it to be like 90 degrees but it's not and he's just chilling in the fridge the whole time and I was like man I wish that was me I could just sleep through the whole winter and <laughs> I've never owned a pet tortoise or anything like that but explain this to me I guess like why he needs to hibernate like and you just can't keep him out and keep the place warm enough for him you know, it depends a lot about your tortoise's breed. Um, like desert tortoises don't necessarily need to hibernate and like you can just have them out all the time. But when I first got Tyro, I feel like he was just like very, very sluggish and like not hanging out or as active at all during the whole winter. And so I was kind of like, well, like I looked into it and I was like, oh, you know, a lot of breeds need to hibernate. And, you know, it's just like if done right, it can be like healthy for your tortoise and just like, you know, help them like live longer and just like healthier lives as long as you hibernate right which i was always really afraid of doing it wrong but like he's still okay so i think i'm fine uh but yeah it's just like a lot of where like the forests live like you know he's from like the mediterranean area like those places like they still get like kind of cold and like tortoises really need to be like very warm like above 75 and it's just not going to be above 75 at our house like <laughs> i can turn the heat up but like i feel like it'd be a little hot for all of us and then even then i feel like he'd still be like kind of sluggish around it so I think it's just easier this way also just to not that like i feel like i actually need a break from because i don't do that much but uh yeah just to get like a little break and then you know reset and sit <laughs> but stuff i'm gone all summer because then it's just like well shoot then i'm hardly ever seeing the guys <laughs> all right yeah all right well i appreciate you taking the time for this and can't wait to see how the buildup toward the milrose games goes and then you know come april you're gonna have so many cool stories about the indoor season to tell tyra <laughs> uh, you know him. I'm sure he'll be like very unimpressed as always. So, <laughs> thank you all for listening to this episode. This episode was produced by Jasmine Fair. I love doing this for you guys, so please do me a favor and leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That helps us grow the show and get even more awesome guests. Let me know what you're enjoying about the show. Make sure you're subscribed or following on your favorite podcast players. Please share this episode with your friends if you think that they'll get any value or inspiration out of it. Let's build this thing together. Visit SidiousMag.com for a lot more. We've got a brand new website with tons more articles, videos, and podcasts. As always, I love track and field. I'm Chris Chavez. See you next time.